Cooey, darling. I'm Glyn Fussell and welcome to We Can Be Heroes. I'm absolutely delighted to bring you stories from people who have achieved varying sizes of inspiration or wonder. From pushing the boundaries of what is humanly possible to changing the way that we see people. Come with me on a journey of discovery to find out what makes these individuals my heroes and I guarantee they will be yours too. Today's hero is no stranger to the spotlight. From humble beginnings in rural North Carolina, she is someone who always had dreams bigger than her reality. A bold, confident, talented woman, she left her hometown with stars in her eyes and took that all-too-cliché leap of faith to head out into the world of performance art. Spoiler alert, it works out just fine. The girl from the pig farm is up here singing for the queen. It is Marisha Wallace star of Broadway and West End musicals, she's navigated the turbulent nature of show business with more than just a touch of class. This woman has bucket loads of soul, tenacity and an abundance of personality with a singing voice to match. Marisha Wallace, let me first tell you that you are the word on the street with all the gays. <laughs> Honestly, over the last couple of months, I've had so many people say, do you know Marisha Wallace? Do you know Marisha Wallace? Really? How does it feel to be toast of the town? It feels great. You know what? I've been grafted out here for a long time. And you know, it's so funny. They say it takes 10 years to make overnight success. And I'm like, <laughs> actually, it takes like 15. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's it's been great to like be appreciated for your hard work. So it's really great. I mean, I want to talk about that route because obviously we can tell you're not from London town, but you've been adopted by us and um, we're very grateful for it. Yes. But you're born and bred in North Carolina. Yes. Talk me through how you navigate from North Carolina and you end up on the West End stage. Well, let's start from the very beginning. Let's. I grew up on a pig farm in Goldsboro, North Carolina. I come from a musical family. Like everyone in my family sings or plays instruments. And we grew up singing in church my whole life. You know, like it was like a real pig farm, you know, like uh, Charlotte's Web. And, you know, you had like the little pig and you nurse it to health and then it gets shipped off to the to the hog farm. That was my life. Um, But, you know, we (laughs) but we were singers and um, my grandma was like a Mahalia Jackson of our town. And she taught me how to sing. And actually, we would go sing at people's funerals. That's where I first that was like the first place I sang. And we would do that around the whole city because we were like the best singers and everybody, like if you've been to a black church, you got to have the best singer, even at the funeral, like the singer got to be the bomb. Mm. So that was like where I learned to sing even when I'm like 10 years old. So that was my first like foray into performing. But after that, you know, in school, I did choirs and all that stuff. And then I had an amazing high school music teacher who was like, you're not like the other kids. And I think you Mm. should... um, take this to the next level and she out of her own pocket she spent the money to drive me hours like hour and a half to the university to audition she prepared me for everything um I ended up not getting into the music school because I had to get a vocal surgery at 18 because I had been singing gospel music my whole life and um that kind of changed my life forever from that and um I couldn't do opera which with the vocal program which I was going to do and they said, hey, you going to do musical theater instead? <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> and so that was started my journey into musical theater. And from there, I worked, you know, a lot to get 
to Broadway and then finally to the West End. But there was so much in between that as well. But that's how I got here. I was working with uh, Casey Nicola on uh, a couple of Broadway shows. And then he was doing Dreamgirls here. And Amber Riley got sick. And they said, can you get here tonight? Sorry, <laughs> to Amber. Take over the row. <laughs> Sorry, Amber. But, you know, yeah. it was good for all of us in the end. She got her Olivier and then I got my career here, which was great. I mean, obviously, there's lots of great singers in the world. There's lots of people that get given um, an opportunity. But what do you think it was about you that really got you there? Obviously, you've got the voice. But I want to talk about dreams and following through on dreams and not giving up. Because to get from a pig farm to the Broadway, to the West End stage, it takes more than talent, right? Absolutely. I always say that talent is 10%. The other 90%... Is hard work. And it's like the grafting that I had to do, like doing concerts for free, going out to do shows on my days off when I was tired or like giving people favors and like just just doing everything I can to meet the right people to get seen by, you know, by everyone. I sang in gay clubs and small little gay clubs in the, in the bottom of a basement just so people can hear me sing. I've sang just like anywhere that I could sing, I wanted to sing. And I just felt like because I love what I did so much, I was willing to make those sacrifices because I knew what was coming. And it's always about that big picture because some people want the fame, but nobody wants the pain is what I always say. Mm. Um, there's a lot that you have to sacrifice. I've sacrificed being away from my family, being away. You know, I miss everything. I don't get to go to birthdays and weddings yeah. and funerals and everything. But it's because I know that this is what I was meant to do. And I'm willing to make that sacrifice because I have this dream and no one can stop me. And I I felt like there's been a lot of people who have doubted me and and look at me now. So I was like, I'm glad I didn't listen to them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Do you find that often where you're from, you know, if you don't come from a place of privilege, it, it equips you with a work ethic that is, I mean, I can definitely say that that's been the case for me. I feel like I'm having to run 10 times faster and harder uphill <laughs> in high hills. Yeah. <laughs> Backwards. <laughs> yeah. You better believe it. Because we don't come with all the trappings of having been in voice classes and, and been able to go to the best schools and yeah. and have the money because it takes money to make money. That's the other thing that I tell people. Not having that puts you already at a disadvantage. So I felt like I had to work harder. I couldn't miss a show. I always had to be on time. I always had to be where I needed to be just to you know, be even at the level of everyone else. And then to be better than them, I had to do even more. But I do feel like when you do come from a working class family or from from a poor town, you know what it takes to get where you need to go. And you're not afraid of hard work. That's always I too. I think it gives you a real sense of perspective as well, always, right? Because you know where you've come from. So there's Mm a, when you reach that, that place at the top, you understand the process. You understand the graft yeah. and, the, and then how much you put into it. So it feels even sweeter at the top. It right? is. I just got to sing for the Queen at the Royal Variety Woo! performance this past year. And I was like, the girl from the pig farm is up here <laughs> singing for the Queen. And I just felt like because I could do it, I know there was a lot of girls out there and people out there, period, 
who felt like they could because I was up there singing for the queen. And it was because of something that I did. So I recorded this gospel version of Tomorrow right here in this it's, room. It's beautiful. We were listening to it oh, just before. It's stunning. Thank and you. With a hundred pound mic in my yeah. house and then released it myself. And the royal family heard it on radio too and was like, can you come sing at the Royal Variety performance? But that's when opportunity meets talent meets, you know, meets being in the right place at the right time as well. So it's been an incredible experience. I mean, you're now part of a sort of North Carolina legacy of icons, soul yeah. icons, actually. Roberta Flack, Nina Simone, George Clinton, Ben yes. E. King, Marisha Wallace. Hello. <laughs> Fantasia Barino. Don't forget oh, her. <laughs> I, love, I love me some Fantasia. I love her, that voice. But... Did you feel that, you know, when you're from a place that's rooted in soul or rooted in anything, actually, does that give you a, a certain uh, motivation or did that give you anything? Absolutely. I feel like North Carolina is definitely a town where it's like roots. It's very grounded. You know, we're just trying to make it through each each day that we can. And we use music to get us through those times. And you can feel mm. it and hear it in our voice. You can feel the pain and you can feel the joy and you can feel it and when we sing and also the the church like a lot of those people grew up singing in church and that was like a big big thing i feel like the black church is one of the most underrated music universities out there <laughs> oh, that's so true i learned so much from like singing like when i was five years old having to get up in front of people to sing and to do it well like even at five years old they were expecting excellence it was not like they were expecting you oh that's cute no they really wanted you to be good so i think that that definitely played a big part into my success as well there was always a standard of excellence that was set for me from the time i was five and i was always trying to live up to that and still to this day I feel like I want to give the best performance that I can give no matter if it's in you know the little church in the country or if it's you know the Royal Albert Hall. Actually when I think about a lot of those singers that that come from uh, North Carolina there is a lot of melancholy it's yeah. a lot of a lot of struggle and a lot of soul yeah. that you can feel you can you can feel the identity of where it's from. Absolutely because you know we struggled to get where where we are and and a lot of people are struggling and I think we can really capture that and and heal people with our with our voices. Do you remember that feeling when you uh, you mentioned before obviously opera was where you were going and then and then you you did a bit of shape shifting and before you knew it yeah. you were you were high kicking and, and feather bowing into the <laughs> into the into the life of our musical theater do you remember that feeling of that first audition room or that first uh, rehearsal room that you walked into i remember um when I did my first Broadway show, I was in Aladdin on Broadway. Mm. And do you remember on those VCR tapes of the Disney, like Aladdin, Disney Aladdin, they would have like the behind the scenes extra. Yes. Yes. And yes. it would be like the orchestra playing the music in the, in the room or whatever. Yeah. And they'd be playing the songs. So we have this thing called Sits Probe where you go in and you sing the music with the orchestra. And it was set up just like those VHS tapes that I used to watch when I was a little kid. And I was singing that Arabian Nights like with the mm -hmm. thing. And I was like, this is crazy. I used to watch this video every day because we couldn't afford cable. So we would watch Disney movies on VHS every day. And then I was like living the Disney movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it gosh. was incredible because it just like you just think that when you come from a small town, you think that there's nothing else out there or you don't think that you'll ever get out or you don't think that you're like these people just seem like they're just so far away from where you are at the time. But you're actually not that far away. You are your dreams are valid. And if you work hard, you can get there. And then I did. And I, and I continue to, you know, outshine anything that I ever thought that I could do. Do you ever get imposter syndrome? I mean, I know that I'm someone that it, through my life has it's been a reoccurring theme. Um, and I usually get it when I'm achieving the most. Why uh, is I, that? I, it's Why do crazy. we do that? I it's, I do the same thing. Like, well, just recently I just signed, you know, a record deal with Decca Records. And it's funny, I have this great voice, but, you know, just like all singers, we don't like our voices. I don't know why we're like this. It's just always been this way. Even Mariah Carey doesn't like her own voice, which I think is so crazy. That's insane. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But like, so that was my first time, like, really putting myself out there as a, a music artist. And I remember I did Strictly Come Dancing. And, um, you know, you get online trolls who are like saying stuff about you, but you forget that now you're open to millions of people. And obviously you're going to get some bad, but most of it was good. But you never focus on the good, the thousands of good things. You focus on the one bad comment. And I just remember thinking, oh, well, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. And then I had to really have, well, I call it a come to Jesus meeting with myself <laughs> and, and say, Look, you did not come this far just to come this far. And you're obviously doing something right if you've gotten yourself from a pig farm to the big stage. And I think it's just about loving yourself and also just not worrying about the opinions of other people who haven't lived a day in your shoes. Like people think they have all kinds of opinions because they can't do what you're doing or are too afraid to do it. You have the courage to put yourself out there, then you have to have the courage to accept what comes with that. And I think that has really helped me with my imposter syndrome. Also being back on stage always helps me because I get that validation every night. So even right. when I feel like, oh, I'm not, I don't think I'm that great. And then I get a standing ovation every night. You know what I mean? So how can you not feel validated uh, when you are getting that every night? And I remember during Dreamgirls, I was having that as well and my friend was like babe you get a standing ovation every night but i was still kept comparing myself to amber riley because i was like well this is who they wanted and da 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 and i don't sound like her and da 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 but then i had to say also i'm not her she's very good at doing what she does mm. and i'm very good at doing me and i think that's the best way is to just do be the best version of yourself yeah completely i mean you're in a very, very competitive, uh, relentless with the with the workload uh, industry. So, how do you self care? Not just physically, but emotionally, mentally. What's the work that you do? Well, recently I have been on a, a huge health and wellness journey. I just recently lost 30 pounds, which has been so great. Um, but that has come from me. I said I felt like I've been giving so much of my energy to my career that I don't leave anything left for myself. Ugh. If I even gave myself 10% of the energy that I give to my career, if I just put that into to me every day, just 10%, that's not even a lot. 
if I just did that every day, what would happen? I ended up losing 30 pounds. I feel so much better. My health is better. I work out every day now. I meditate every day now. I meditate before I go to work. I um I pray a lot as well. I like prayer. I do cast prayer with my um my cast at hairspray as well. Um I just I just try to take that time to say you have to save some for yourself. You can't give it all away. You have to save a little bit for yourself or there's going to be nothing cuz no they're not going to give you anything. They're just going to keep taking. So you yeah. have to save some for yourself. So I've been doing that and just really trying to turn off as much as I can, taking those hours to turn off and be quiet. I love vocal resting. That's always a great um, way. It saves my voice, but also it helps with your mind. Just be quiet for a little while. It just really helps. I mean, it's, it's so interesting talking about this because <laughs> I've been talking about this so much recently with people that actually from the outside looking in have achieved greatness, you know, absolute greatness. Mm-hmm. But very often they are burnt out. They are empty because they spend their entire life giving, performing, clowning, showing off, mm. doing all of these things. And it's, it's such a process and it's such a constant check-in with yourself, isn't it? Always. And like the pandemic taught me so much. I didn't realize. So when everything stopped, I was like, okay, what do I have left? What's, what's mm. left? Like my job is gone. I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck here. What is left? So then I had to kind of rebuild myself to be like, what is my life outside of performing? Who am I outside of Marisha Wallace on stage? Who is Marisha Wallace the person? What do I like to do? Right. Where do I like to go? What are the things I like to eat? Yeah. What are you know, what are the what <laughs> what are the things I like to do for fun that I don't get paid for? You know what I mean? So it was just kind of like rediscovering that. And I was like, I have to hold on to this once everything goes back. So I'm trying to find the balance. The pandemic I think has done that for a lot of people that work solidly. I mean, the one thing I've got a lot of friends, obviously I'm a huge homosexual, but I've, lo- <laughs> I've got Has a lot of, <laughs> yes, I, I know I, I see it with you girl, um, that, a, a lot of friends that work in the theater or work as actors, and there is always so much fear, mm. fear that this may be your last role, right? So, uh, yeah, right. Am I striking a chord? I mean, well, this there's is so something... much fear all the time. Well, now with COVID, there's another layer of fear that your job can be taken away any day, not even mm. like after the contract's over. I mean, the hairspray just went through a 20 day shutdown and we didn't get paid a dime that whole time. It was like we had our dream and everything was going well. We had these amazing reviews and then COVID comes and knocks it out. I've had so many opportunities that I've lost because of COVID. And then even just career wise, because we work show to show, you just never know what's next. And there's always this sense of fear. But I don't like living in a state of fear. I'm like this about money. I'm like this about everything. Because when I release is when things come back to me, like I just let it go. And then the rest of it will take care of itself because I'm constantly doing the work. So all the seeds I'm planting along the way, they're going to crop up. Like they might not happen right when you want it to, but it's definitely always on time. And I just think that you have to trust your process, trust where your life is leading you. Because sometimes when we try to over, you know, push what the universe wants for us to do, then it doesn't quite work out. I do kind of like, 
just keep working, keep doing what you need to do, but also mm. let things play out. Time is a beautiful thing. Just give it time. Do your work, do what you need to do, but also let things happen the way that they're supposed to. <sighs> so true. I always have this idea as a frustrated performer that's not performing. <laughs> I have this idea of what the behind the scenes of a West End show is like. And I, mm. you know, I, I imagine sort of camp tomfoolery guys <laughs> guys hanging from the rafters doing jazz hands and spirit fingers and and divas like wafting around demanding things so do, would you like to dispel any rumors of, of that i mean that's about probably about it that's a good description. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a really good description like i mean i'm working with michael ball and les did oh now. i've, I've <laughs> met michael ball he's so amazing he's, he's amazing. really good he's my best judy no. <laughs> i really love him um but he's definitely like you know, theater royalty. He's yeah. got his entourage of people who, you know, are running around and making sure he's <laughs> taken care of. And so I just think it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's really incredible. And then you got your little chorus boys running around in underwear and, you know, enjoying and themselves. Nice. And that but is nice. That's nice. Everybody <laughs> that's loves That's really nice. But, you know, because of COVID, everything is kind of serious now backstage. Um, when it used to be tomfoolery all the time, literally, like, we're, you know, having dance parties backstage, running around. We're working hard, but still, like, it's, it's fun, the camaraderie. But COVID has put a stop to all that because we can't really mingle anymore. We got to wear a mask. Yeah. This and that. So we're kind of, I'm just praying for the day that this stuff just kind of clears up so we can just go back to having fun and do but now we just have fun on stage. <laughs> we have more yeah. fun on stage as well. <laughs> I saw you in Waitress and you blew me away. Oh wow, I didn't know you, you were, came to see that. I was there, I was whooping like a happy gay clown. Yes. <laughs> so good. I want to talk about the West End, well, actually theatre in general and black roles. Mm. I've noticed there are more black shows, actually, with fully black cast. That's happening more. But there are always stories from black history. Yeah. You know, so how do you find, I guess, navigating castings and things like that as a black actress? That's a great question because, like, some black actors are like, I don't want to do the shuck and jive. I don't want to do, um, you know, sl uh, slavery roles or whatever, things like that. Anyway, I, I still want to do the work. I just want to, f I find ways of trying to make it contemporary. Like Motormouth is a, a black role that's been done over and over and over. And I was like, what can I do to bring new life to this role and I just really take the acting so seriously because I feel like these roles are always like oh we need a great singer and we don't really care about the acting but for me I really try to dig into it especially with another character like Effie like because if you have a good singer who can act the crap out of that role it really takes it to the next level and that's kind of what I wanted to do with these roles and it is hard I mean I can count on uh, like seven roles that are lead roles for black women right now. There's mm. not many and they're usually a side character. They're not the center of the narrative. They're not driving the story. So I'm currently writing musicals to try to bring more roles for other women, not even just for myself. It's like, cause I want to leave a legacy behind so that other people will be able to come into these roles and have work. That's the other thing. It's like, 
How do you expect black people, black women in general, to be able to excel if there's nothing that they can play besides Motor Mouth, Effie, and Major Mama Morton? Like, that's it. And it's always like random black girls singing the soul. It's never, you never know what's going on in their life. You never know how they got there. Yeah. You never know where they been, where they going, nothing. And I've been working with the movers and shakers of Broadway who really make those decisions and talking to them about it and being like, this is the way that we need to change. It's not It's not about making uh, Elphaba black. It's about making roles that are already intentionally meant for that black person. Like, like make new stories. We have other stories. We There's love- not a lack of stories. You no, know, there's, there's not, not a lack, lack of, of stories. stories. Just because I'm black and curvy doesn't mean I don't fall in love and that I don't have heartbreak and that I don't, you know, like I'm not, you know, I have friends. I'm happy. I go out. Why aren't we seeing these stories on stage? Like, and as a plus size woman, how many plus size leading ladies have you seen? There's not been many at all. Like, not at all. And I was like, do they think plus size women don't fall in love? Like, what do we do? <laughs> and also just even other stories that are not just straight stories, like, what yes. about gay women and gay men? Like, why are we not seeing those people in the front, like in the center of the narrative? And it needs to change. It needs to it change. It definitely needs to catch up. I want to touch on that, actually, because uh, when we're talking about, you know, seeing great queer narratives, modern queer narratives. Yes. I want to talk about, I want to talk about Feel Good. Yes, which is One, an amazing modern queer narrative. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean... I sometimes realize, especially through the pandemic, where we've got so much TV's all this going on, right, honey? Yeah. So, like, you're watching TV, and I realize that a lot of stuff doesn't go in. It doesn't, because it's just surface level stories. That was like getting a wet fish around the face. It whacked me, woke me up. Woke me Un up. Unbelievable script, unbelievable acting. That sort of subtle comedy. What was that like to be part of that? And did you meet Lisa Kudrow? Oh, I did meet Lisa Kudrow. Ah! Yeah. We actually, I had just come from doing Strictly, which is so funny, the night before. And I was showing Mae Martin the video from the night before. And then Lisa comes in. She's like, what are you guys watching? I was like, <laughs> and then she comes in and she, she's such a nice lady. I got to talk with her. She's just really, really cool. And like such a, such an icon, but not, not phased by the fame at all. Just really nice. And so I was sitting at a table with me, Mae Martin, Eve, the rapper, who was also yeah. starstruck. So me and Eve, so Eve comes up to me. She was like, okay, if Gwyneth Paltrow comes in, you, I mean, uh, not Gwyneth Paltrow, Jesus Christ. Lisa Kudrow. If, if Gwyneth comes in, if that's Gwyneth a real in. mic drop moment. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, I don't know where she came from. If, <laughs> if Lisa Kudrow comes in, she was like, Sit next to me because I'm definitely going to say something awkward. <laughs> <I> said, okay. <laughs> so we're all sitting around the table just talking about life. And I was like, what has happened? The girl from the pig farm. She is really doing what needs to be done. No, it was incredible. And the show is amazing. Like I loved, I watched the first season before I got cast in the show. And I just thought, oh my God, I have never seen a couple like being shown like this. A lesbian couple being shown this way. Never. I've never seen like their sex normalized. I've never seen it from a, a female gaze, not from a male gaze. It mm. was like, oh, wow. And then to the exploration of uh, Mae Martin's like queerness of yeah. being non-binary. That was her exploration in real life as well. Like it's incredible what they've done with the show. And I just was so happy I could be a part of it. I mean, that proves the point that if you don't see it, if there's no representation, you write it. 
right? You write it. You get you out there it. and you create the opportunity yourself. You make it yourself. And I think she's just done an incredible job. She's so talented and uh, it's, it's incredible. Right, we do something on this podcast with every single person and I'm about to walk you through it. We're going to stomp through it. In fact, we're going to dance through it with jazz hands. Excellent. I would like to know, my love, a book that's informed your life. Oh, you know what I love? Um, I, I've always loved the color purple. Mm. Um, it's set in Georgia in a, a farm town, kind of where I'm from. And just how Miss Seeley just never, she never felt beautiful. And then she found this love through this woman that she meets and just finds the beauty in herself and the strength to, to make it. She reminds me a lot of my mom as well, like just how she grew up on a dirt poor, dirt, dirt poor. And she found the strength in herself like to, to you know, to win. And I've always loved that story. And um, it's something that I that I go back to sometimes and I, I'll read it and be like, you know what? You can make it. You can do it and just stand up for yourself. And it's wonderful. That's one of my favorite books. It's so strange. We had Skin on the show from Skunk ah. Nancy and that was also her favorite book. No way. Yes. I yeah. love and, the color purple. Oh my and, for, and, and really for similar reasons, actually. Yeah, it's incredible. That feeling of uh, almost being invisible and then being seen. And, and being, being seen. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. How about a trip? I want to know a trip that's changed your life or that's one that will never leave you. Ooh, there's so many. I, I've traveled a lot around the world uh, mm. with singing and stuff. I think my trip to Japan, actually, because I had never really explored uh, Japanese culture in that way. And it was my first time ever doing a concert there. And I had a translator. And mm. I I was told, you know, the Japanese people, they're very reserved. They're not going to really clap. They're, you know, they'll just be very polite. And then when I went to do the concert, the all of the orchestra were Japanese as well. And the only way we could communicate was through music. Oh. So that was how we communicated, like louder, softer, like this is how we communicated. And it was just so beautiful to see the language of music like connected us and like the the conductor he's, he's like a famous Japanese conductor he turns around he's crying during my song and the whole audience stands up to their feet they were screaming clapping crying and then when they were coming backstage some of them couldn't even speak English and the, the translator was just telling me all the things that they were saying they were like your voice changed my life it made me feel things I've never felt before but to like have that cross the barriers of race, across the barriers of language, across the barriers of, you know, that's what good music does. And that's like the power of it, of what you can, how you can bring people together with music. So that was one of my favorite trips. Uh, I do not blame you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's some real soul. Yeah. Enriching stuff. I want to talk about a human that's made you who you are. Oh, I'm going to have to say... Well, I have two humans, but my sister, um, Santanya, she's my older sister. She's 12 years older than me. So we were really close when I was little. Like when I was five, she would like take me everywhere. She would put makeup on me and like take me out with her friends like, when I was five. And then she grew up and then she left. And I didn't see her for a lot of years because uh, my family's very Christian. And she came out as gay. I remember at the time, like everyone treated like she had died. And I was like 10 years old and I didn't understand. Mm. So in the past 10 years, we've reconnected and she's one of my best friends. Like I was wow. like, 
She is my absolute best friend. And I'm going to cry talking about her because she got me through some of the worst times in my life. Like when I, I got divorced and I was here in London, I was alone. And she would like be on FaceTime with me all night long. Like she would, sometimes I would put her on FaceTime in my bed and I would fall asleep. She would stay on the phone until I fell asleep. Wow. And she just has been with me this whole journey to, you know, becoming who I am here. And I could just call her and be like, what do you think about this? What do you think of this album track? What do you think of this song? What do you think of this? And she just is just like a mentor to me. And she just always knows how to calm me down. And she just has really changed my whole life since since I've been here. Just through her words. Not even like, you know, it's just just being there. Is She's amazing. My sister Santani is incredible. Well, you just made us all I cry. I know. I'm like, oh. Lucy's sobbing in the corner. My sister. <laughs> <laughs> I have a similar relationship with my younger sister. Uh, I, sometimes it's, I don't need her to say anything. No. I just need to hear her voice and I'm instantly feel at ease. And then it's you know, amazing, you can the just power. call them and be like, this happened. And then after that call, mm. you're like, you're, I'm, a fi- I'm fine. I can, I I'm going to be okay. I got this. <laughs> have you had a love that's taught you the biggest lesson? Yes. My ex-husband taught me a big lesson uh, about how much to give and how much to get because I felt like I gave him everything that I had and I didn't get a lot in return. And then I've learned over the past years now that I'm worth so much more and I thank him for that lesson. I thank him every day for teaching me that I was worthy of more than what I was given. And, um, I'm, you know, and I loved him and I, and I wanted the best for him, but sometimes just because you want the best for somebody, they have to want the best for themselves. And I felt like I had to want the best for myself. And I'm so glad that I chose me this time. Cause I, w- I never choose me. I always choose everyone else and take care of everyone. And he taught me to choose me. That's what he taught me. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? How in the moment, what can feel like the biggest tragedy, the mm-hmm. biggest low point in your life can often be the thing that shifts everything for you. When we got divorced, my whole life changed. And it's so crazy because I thought I could never do this without him. And I did more without him. Like mm. I had to ask for permission. I was like, can you please just let me go so I can fly? And he did. And I've flown, I've flown higher than I've ever gone before because it takes up a lot of space in your mind if you're in a bad relationship. And then you can give that energy to what you actually want to give it to. Everything changes. Oh, amazing. Listen, music's such a huge part of your life. This is going to be a really tough one, but I just want one track that soundtracks your fabulous life. Oh, I'm going to go because I've been listening to this every day. I'm going to make it happen by Mariah Carey. <laughs> oh, my Not God. I literally play this. When I go into theater, I play this. He's going to make it happen, make it happen. Like all the time. Because like just all you have to do is just believe and it's going to work out if you just believe it and know it and just trust it and trust the process and trust, you know, that everything's going to work out. As long as you're doing everything you can to make it happen, it's going to happen. It might not happen right now. It may not happen tonight, but it's going to eventually happen if you keep working at it. And I, I love that song. And that's been the story of my life, really. 
Marisha, you're a fucking gift. I'm about to. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to go out and achieve anything you that I are, ever wanted. You I'm doing are. It. You're gonna be performing again, too. <laughs> I'm gonna be on that West End stage. You next better to get you up soon, there. <laughs> this was honestly joy. This is exactly what I needed. Oh, honestly, I cannot you, thank you enough. You are just a ray of light. Oh, and thank you for being so amazing to the gay community and the LGBT plus community. And we need You're part more, of it. We, yes. You're part of it. And I'm just so thankful because like my sister and my niece are both gay and they live in this small town where it's hard to be that. And it's people like you who encourage people to just be out and be free and be themselves. And it's incredible. If you're enjoying this podcast, please like, share, and of course, subscribe.